0: Uh, materialism, hedonism, uh, sports, all of these things having their place Lord but they've just choked the Word of God in many places and we ask you Lord that the light of your presence will become the most real and clear thing in our consciousness Lord and you will send the laborers into the harvest fields, all the villages, all the housing estates, all the town's lands every county every area, every school every college every factory, every university, every place filled with the witness of the resurrection of Jesus Lord that this land will be awash in the glory of your presence, bless the ministry of everyone in this congregation Lord and those who will believe through their testimony, multiply this church and multiply their efforts in an amazing way and let them have favor with all the people while you add to them those who have been saved and demonstrate your glory with signs, wonderful wonders and miracles and notable conversions in Jesus name Amen. Hallelujah <laughs> and now Lord take the five loaves and the two fish of our words and thoughts and you make them a feast for everyone in Jesus name Amen well it's still resurrection time and really we have a 365 day of the year resurrection time that's our witness, he is risen and he's risen in us. <laughs> There's something come into me that's more than me. And um, three, three mandates that Jesus gave after the resurrection. This is not the main thing I want to share this morning. But three mandates you'll note after the resurrection. First, believe. He upbraided them. It says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. He upbraided them for their unbelief. And then he said, if you go into the world with the Gospel, he who believes will be saved. So the first mandate is to believe. And in Ireland today, our country is under tremendous assault because people had their faith in religion and now religion is sort of no longer attracted to people, it's collapsing and uh, it's still a powerful force, but people disillusioned with religion are being are being swayed towards atheism, towards unbelief, towards materialism, towards hedonism, towards despair, towards hopelessness and towards meaninglessness. Jesus' first mandate was believe. This was also an echo of what he said before the cross. Believe in God, believe also in me. So when you believe in God, your life changes. When you don't believe in God, you have nothing else to believe in except yourself, or your football team, or what else, your money or whatever. Now uh, we do hope all the best for your football team. Um, which is too loose <laughs> but all of those things have their place but people have this void so believe in God, believe in the gospel in Ireland there's a culture of we, Ireland Irish people we used to congratulate ourselves, we were people of faith but what was our faith in? our faith is in the gospel, in the good news and we're switching our faith from faith in religion or to faith in ourselves to faith in the good news the second one was receive to believe without receiving is not enough uh, Hebrews says he who believes must believe that God exists and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him if you start believing that God exists His reality becomes more and more established in your life and, but then receive and that John's Gospel chapter 20, 22, in the first uh, day of the resurrection Jesus said receive the Holy Spirit That's receiving receive an impartation of the resurrected life of Jesus into yourself many people come to an intellectual faith where they believe the realities about the death and resurrection of Jesus they believe perhaps theologically things about the existence of God but they haven't received that exchange life, the impartation of the same life that was in Jesus Jesus came not only to pay for our sins but to impart into us the same life that was in himself. Wow, <laughs> and that's been reproduced in us so that the earth would be filled with millions of men and women carrying the same life that was in Jesus, the same love that was in Jesus, the same joy that was in Jesus, the same victory that was in Jesus, and the same authority that was in Jesus. Not just confined with a few, into a few religious professionals someplace, off in some corner, but all God's people coming alive by the resurrection life of Jesus. So believe, receive, and And this third one, I think in Ireland we need a little push in this area, but it can't be a legalistic push, it has to be God working on the inside, go and tell, go and tell, tell, believe, receive and tell, who were to tell, the same ones who had believed and the same ones who had received. They were now being mandated to tell, and if you have a gospel that consists of believing, receiving and telling, you'll be strong in the Lord and in His grace. If you have short circuit and just stop with belief, you'll have a truncated faith. If you believe and receive, you'll have even more. But if you believe and receive and you don't tell, it'll grow stale like the Dead Sea. But it has to come like living waters flowing through the river bank, which you are, out to every Ireland you have been chosen. Jesus said I pray not only for for these but for those who will believe in me through their testimony." Jesus is praying not just for the first disciples and apostles, not just for the first proclaimers of the word, but for those who believe through the testimony. So Jesus is praying for you and for me today. He's praying that we who have believed through the testimony of the, of the apostles and disciples and then through the destiny of other preachers that came to us, that he's now praying that for you and for those who will believe through your testimony, because he's going to be using you, this is a new hour in the land. And that brings me to what I want to share about today. This, this, there's a tremendous change of the spiritual culture and climate in the land. They Talk about climate change. I tell you in the spiritual world there's an even more radical climate change. And it's changing the way we express faith and the, the way that the next generation of believers rising in Ireland, the way that we express our faith will be totally different from the way that faith would have been expressed say in the middle part of the 20th century or in the days when John McCormack sang at the Eucharistic Congress and uh, there was a spirit of faith in the land but the way we express our faith in the coming generation will be much closer to the spirit and the power of the book of Acts. There's a change coming, the winds of change are, are blowing we're not asking people to abandon their faith but the Holy Spirit is asking us to put our faith on a more perfect foundation. And in the days of Jesus, he and his followers, uh, they were constantly getting into trouble. You know, Jesus was not a master diplomat. (laughs) He didn't always tell people what they wanted to hear. And he was very merciful, very compassionate. He was Mr. Patience. But when people were twisting the nature of his heavenly father, distorting it with the religious tradition, Jesus was far from diplomatic. And in the, in the days of Jesus and his followers, this extraordinary revolutionary reform, it was more than reform, but it was extraordinary change from the way they worship God uh, the way that ancestors had been worshipping God for the previous five hundred years i 'm talking about the time from the second temple to from the time of Ezra and Nehemiah to Jesus there was a in came a kind of a clergy class which later developed to be called the Pharisees and the Sadducees and um, the people who control the temple worship and everything else and they just followed a ritual they showed up with their ritual, their robes, their titles their incense, their candles and all these things and their ear was controlled and focused upon the the, the festivals of the year, the cycles of the year. And by the way, the Jewish feasts have tremendous insight into the reality of Jesus and his work. But this whole thing just depended on kind of a, an annual cycle that goes on year after year after year after year. And Jesus said, the problem with this is this gets to the outside of the cup, but it doesn't really clean the inside of the cup. And so we had in Ireland an extremely religious society with a very pristine looking outside of the cup but inside, and we couldn't help it. (laughs) We had the same stuff inside us as everybody else. And the prophets saw that the one day God would solve this problem He would take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. He would provide permanent atonement. And so when Jesus came he, the veil of the temple was rent split torn from top to ba- bottom and the barrier of guilt and sin, uh, created by our sin that kept us out from the glory of the presence of god was now totally removed and we were invited back to the glory of God's presence which Adam lost when he went away from that presence. Now to the proclamation of the effect of the work of Jesus on the cross all men everywhere regardless of what was in their past are fully reconciled to God through faith in this amazing work of Jesus on the cross. And so the way we express our faith then is now as reconciled as sons and daughters of God. No longer as people estranged. Strange, no longer as people looking for a to- no longer as people looking for acceptance but now as the redeemed of the Lord we stand and we praise God and express our faith in a new way. And when Jesus and the Apostles spoke they were at pains to show that their faith and their word and their expression was totally in line with the scriptures but not totally in line with the traditions which had developed in Judaism. And so, Paul explains, we're bringing people back to the kind of faith that Abraham had. Abraham lived as a reconciled human being on the basis of of believing God was reckoned to him as righteousness. His faith in God was reckoned to him as righteousness. He believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He lived in that way and he's a forefather of the people of faith and he was not a particularly religious man, but he was an obedient man a man with a walk of faith and this brings us to this passage here from 2nd Peter chapter 1 Abraham lived from the promises of God a relationship with God built on God's promises and his belief in God's faithfulness our faith is built not on our faith our faith is built on God's promises And so, we're not just, I believe there's something out there and I hope it all works out. Many people are at that level in Ireland. But our faith is in a promise-making, promise-keeping God. That's fabulous. Now, in the, the Scriptures, many, many places throughout the Scriptures, promises are given. And this is what makes the Scriptures so unique. Because the Scriptures reveal promises that God gives Hundreds of years before those promises are fulfilled and then those promises are fulfilled and then you know that God is faithfully fulfilling his promises and is to be trusted. No other scriptures in any other religion have anything that, that in any way remotely compare with our scriptures, with the word of God not the Quran, not the Hindu scriptures, nothing can compare with these writings. Because God shows his reality in history and his concern for us by giving promises and then fulfilling them. For example, 200 years before, more than 200 years before Cyrus, the prince of Persia, the king of Persia, before he was involved in, before he was born, God, through the prophet Isaiah, revealed that this man named Cyrus would arise as the king of Persia and he would help the Jewish people on their way home. The thing happened. (laughs) When God speaks speaks it, He fulfills it. (laughs) Because He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. God spoke that the, the Jewish people would go into exile, into Babylon. And Jeremiah said the duration of their exile would be 70 years. After 70 years, right on time, they came out. God spoke to Abram that his descendants would be 400 years in uh, wandering without ownership of their land. And exactly when the 400 years were up, they came out. 430 years from when Abram got the promise, 400 years from the the, uh, weaning of Isaac. God makes these promises. He fulfills them. God made a promise that the Jewish people would come back to the land. Jesus said this time period of the return of the Jewish people to the land from all the nations would take two thousand, take place 2,300 years after Alexander the Great conquered the Middle East. This word about a king of Greece conquering the Middle East was given. 200 years before Alexander the Great was even born. And then he comes in the scene, conquers it. And then Jesus, and then the the scripture says, 2,300 years later, Jerusalem will come back under Jewish control. Jesus referred to that in Luke 21, 24, and 2,300 years later, in 1967, Israel came back under Jewish control. This ability of God to make promises and to fulfill promises goes into the area of macro politics, the macro uh, uh, global plan for world redemption. It's a huge, enormous plan, as vast as the heart of God. It also goes down to the micro level. To every single one of us and every single one of our heart beats. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper and the greatest fulfilled promise of God of all is that he would send his son and this son would be treated very, very badly he would be wounded, he would be pre- bruised, he would be born in Bethlehem the details of his life, he would be traded for 30 pieces of silver he would be scourged, he would be pierced, not one of his bones would be broken 700 years before it happened, God spoke it and it came into being exactly as God said it now there are two kinds of promises, there are promises that are given for example, if someone said to Trevor, uh, I'll send a check in the mail, that's a promise, right? But it can be sort of dicey, the <laughs> and but if that check comes, it's a fulfilled promise. A, so a fulfilled promise is much better than a promise. Yes. God has, there, has made two sorts of promises. All His promises are reliable and trustworthy. But we know that you can trust Him for the fulfillment of the rest because He's fulfilled the first. He's worked up a good track record in fulfilling His promises. He promi- and the promises concerning Jesus have now been fulfilled and have moved from the realm of promise into the realm of fact. You can bank in it. It's a fact, it's a done deal. Other promises that are not yet fulfilled, for example, are the promises that he will come and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, he will make wars to cease over the earth and he'll turn this earth into a paradise with the help of the whole body of Christ. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? And the devil will be a thing of the past and his crazy unbelief and his crazy teachings and his crazy ways that will be gone from the earth and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the fulfilled promises are called facts and we have put our faith on these facts. And so we're no longer relating to God through any kind of prism of superstition, but we're raising on the solid reality of God's promise-making and promise-keeping. And so Jesus was talking now after his death, the temple was obsolete. In Hebrews it says becoming obsolete because people were still using it a transition time. But old ways of worshiping were had become obsolete and the new and the living way have been released. We're living it in, in now in the realm of God's acceptance. The scripture of Paul explaining the consequences of these facts now set in motion by the death and the resurrection of Jesus that's what Paul's letters are describing the new set of facts and the consequences of these facts set in motion by the death and resurrection of Jesus. He says in Him we have redemption through His blood. He says we're fully accepted in the Beloved. Wow! Fully accepted! This is crazy! How can this be? Since we're so imperfect. How can we be fully accepted and we're still so imperfect? Because God imputed unto Jesus all our unrighteousness and imputes unto us all his righteousness. The Great Switch wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. He took all our unrighteousness upon himself and imputed. therefore our unrighteousness was imputed unto him and in consequence in the realm of the resurrection his righteousness is imputed unto us and we're fully sta- accepted in the Beloved. Isn't that awesome? May the Holy Spirit show us this more and more until it becomes absolutely real to us, till it changes our consciousness and changes our whole approach to God and life itself. And so the Holy Spirit just makes these things real to us. And also it says we have adoption. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. Some translations say, I will not leave you desolate. I will not leave you orphans. Have you noticed in Irish people, and maybe it's an international thing, I don't know, because most people have been battered throughout history by the consequences of history. Things have happened, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your background. We're a battered people down at the end of the 20th century, after 6,000 years of human history. And life has left many of us desolate. And it's affected our confidence. We feel like strangers. We feel like outsiders. We don't really feel at home. And that's orphan. That's orphan. But Jesus replaces the spirit of orphan spirit with the spirit of adoption and sonship. Now we are the sons of God, John says, and so that sense of being an outsider or you'll have to wait another 20 years of really pushing hard at it before you'll stop being an outsider. No, you're adopted into the sons and, and the sonship today. And so the spirit of sonship cries out, Abba, Father, we've received not the spirit of, of estrangement but the spirit of adoption and sonship. And we as Irish people with this old system which kept us far back. You stay back, you keep your distance. The veil is down and the old systems are changing but the same loving God has now fulfilled his promise is the same, but we're approaching him no longer as strangers but as sons and daughters of God. There's a boldness released. in fact this, the early Apostles they prayed that the people would have boldness, a confidence that an orphan spirit and sense of not belonging and not being good enough would be gone and broken over them. We declare this would be broken over the people of, of God in Ireland Lord and broken over every single one of us in Jesus name. The Spirit of God coming into Samson broke the chains around them. The Spirit of God resting you breaks those chains around us. So we're coming to a switch in the way we do Christianity in Ireland. That's as radical. That's renewal. I love renewal. But it's more than renewal, it's reform and it's a total foundational change. But it's built on, it's a revolution, but it's a revolution of love. It's a revolution of mercy, it's a revolution of compassion, but it is a revolution. The new wine will not fit into the old wineskins of our old way of thinking, our old way of behaving. It's going to bust you open, it's going to split you apart, it's going to change you, it's going to change Ireland. Or we'll, we'll tame it, we'll domesticate it, we'll put it in the old box and the whole thing will become dead, neutralized. Many efforts have been done to take the move of God and put it in the old box, chain it up, tie it, oh you can have it all in here, provided you stay in your cage. Have you ever seen these wonderful pictures of the lions in the Serengeti? And then you go to a mangy lion in a zoo. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. The zookeepers, the hour of the zookeepers is over. <laughs> The zookeepers are, are over and said, Galois give us pastors after their own heart who will feed them, who will tell them who they are, who will equip them for service, who will help them to walk as sonship, to put off those shackles of slavehood. I believe in emancipation, I believe in the emancipation of Catholics (laughs) and Protestants, (laughs) I believe in the emancipation of me, (laughs) we're coming forth. A people of God, a people whom the spirit of God, the nature of God, the life of God, the authority of God, the boldness of God and the nature of God and come into manifestation in the land. Stay in your box. Shut up. Keep quiet. Wait till you die. No, no. Days, days are over. Yes, we've already died in him. And now we're resurrected. And we can't die twice. <laughs> we can only get a new body. So we're coming in this walk that was built on performance, ritual, observance. That's what they had in the days of the Pharisees. And Jesus was switching them from a walk based on ritual, observance and those things to a walk based on faith. Faith in the promises. As Paul says, this, I'm bringing you back to the faith of Abraham. Peter writes in Second Peter chapter 1, Second uh, Peter chapter one verse three, His divine power has given us everything we need. You could stop right there. He's given us everything we need. Wow, oh I'm so bad I need another touch. Oh, I'm so hopeless. I need to get a PhD. Everything you need has given. For life and God in this through the knowledge of Him who called you by His glory and goodness. Through these He has given to us very great precious that's valuable promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. How much more could He give us? An escape from the corruption that's in the world because of lust. That's an incredible thing. So, Through the promises so we have a people now no longer ignorant of the promises but putting their faith in the promises and not just in the promises but in the prom, fulfilled promises. It's a fulfilled promise that Jesus has done enough therefore I'm completely accepting the Beloved. Another, another necessity for the death of Jesus, you know, when he's speaking to the guys on the way to Emmaus he said, wasn't that necessary that the Messiah should suffer and so enter for his glory? If somebody leaves you something in a will you say, well, we're going to leave you 10,000 euro in the will. You say, well, you're usually not too happy about it because there's something has to take place for you to inherit that will. They've got to die, and if you love that person, you'd prefer to have them than the 10,000. But for a will to come in operation, the person has to die. Jesus left a will, his last will and testament and guess who the heir is we are and you could say me is I am (laughs) you're the heir and best of all he's alive too He gets to die, come back, leaves us as the heir and still is heir of all things himself. How about that for outfoxing the the lawyers? (laughs) So he's the heir, still alive, enjoying it himself, and now you're the heir of all things. Isn't that fantastic? Could we ever... could we invent it? And so, we've got to explore this with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me the fullness of my inheritance. The creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. I believe in the last days, and we're in the last days, but as things come for the climax of history, and God wants to do a quick harvest on the earth, I believe He'll mobilize millions and millions and millions of the body of Christ, who will go forth in the glory and the compassion and the humility and the authority and the boldness And the revelation and the healing authority of Jesus Christ wherever they go. They'll be nameless in the eyes of the world, but they'll be important in the eyes of Jesus. The days of clergy is over. I love the clergy. I respect them. I love to speak in the clergy church. I saw an interesting thing there where uh, the Pope, did you see this? The Pope gave a, a, a message to Kenneth Copeland, did you see that? And Kenneth Copeland gave a response and it was so nice his response, they all prayed in tongues for the Pope and he says, I want to thank you sir for the wonderful message you've given us and the encouragement you brought us and we're so blessed and thrilled to be your partners sir in this wonderful gospel that we all want to want to proclaim and I pray for you sir today, we all pray for you that you may fulfil the destiny that God has for you. That's beautiful. <laughs> now we are the sons of God. A friend of ours. There's a friend. In, it is a, a radio show in in uh, Florida, where we are, and it's about health, alternative health, you know. And the guy is very good in alternative health and stuff. And. Um, he says, now, he says, the doctors won't get off their pedestals till the patients get off their knees. <laughs> and the people need to set some people off their pedestals and they need to get off their knees and stand as the sons and the daughters of God. With all humility, with all lowliness only Jesus can packet this whole thing together. So this tremendous switch from a life based on ritual and observance to a life built on the promises of God. That's what's happening, we're laying hold of these and it says of Abraham that he was a man of faith because he lived from the promises. It says in for example in Romans 4 What then shall we say that Abram our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abram was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Abram believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. Verse 16, Therefore the promise came by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to Abram's offspring. Again in verse 18, Against all hope, Abram in hope believed and became the father of many nations. Without weakening in faith, without weakening in faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. His body was very old, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, she'd been about ninety. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He promised. Wow, what you promised. Oh Lord, let me trust in your promise. Make me the man you want me to be. Make me the person you want me to be. Let every spiritual blessing be enfolded into my spirit. Make me the person of boldness, of joy, of kindness, of lowliness, and compassion that you want me to be. Keep me in all my ways, Lord, as I bind myself to you. I'm throwing my lot in with this promise-making, promise-keeping God. And so when people don't have a God to believe in, they trust in a politician, they trust in money, they try to find a virtual reality in entertainment or something. As I said, there's a place for all that. But they never really find the real meaning. And Ireland is going to find this real meaning as it has an encounter with the promise-making, promise-keeping God. But there's more. As it says in the infomercial, you know, there's more. There's more than simply the life of faith and believing the promises. There's an extra element that Paul also speaks about later on in the book of Romans. When he he speaks of himself even after believing in God for the forgiveness of sins and right standing and restoration, he still finds himself struggling struggling with sin, struggling with envy perhaps, struggling with greed, maybe struggling with other things, whatever. The good that he doesn't want to do, he he, he does, and the evil that he doesn't want to do, uh, he does. And um, he says things he doesn't want to say, and he does things he doesn't want to do. And even though he's justified, reconciled, restored, and living from the promises, and there's there's another dimension, he says, ha ha, But now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all know this verse from Romans 8. Because the law of the Spirit of life This other life has been added to me. The life of Jesus Christ's spirit, which is the law of the spirit of life, has liberated me from the law of sin and death. So our message isn't just a message of forgiveness of sins, but a message of being lifted and and pardoned from sin's penalty, but it's a message of being lifted from sin's power. And so we have people who once were in bondage to every sin in the book, and now they've been justified. Restored, Filled with a new life. And they've been liberated from sin's power. They don't want to do that stuff anymore. It's lost its attraction. It's lost its control over them. Because there's something has been added. The resurrected life of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just die for us. And his resurrection isn't only the evidence that he's... His, his priestly work was successful. He also imparted to us his own life so that the resurrected sinless nature of Jesus is now implanted into you and as long as you draw from it, you, you will not be sinning. As long as those engines are running, the, are, are, those turbines are running in those jet planes they're not going to drop. When they're turned off, they will drop. But as long as they're running, as long as the resurrection life is dominant in you, you will not sin. Isn't that fabulous? The law of the spirit of life has set us free. God now cleansing the inner heart and implanting Taking out the heart of stone and putting a new spirit within what the prophets saw. What the Jewish people never received wasn't available until Jesus had risen. Now in these days, with the veil of the temple down, there's the impartation of the hopes and the longings of the prophets. That this people would not just be a people with temporary forgiveness, but with permanent atonement and with the life of God reproducing them. That life of God that was potentially available to Adam if he added the tree of life, now has been made available to us as we've come to Jesus is the tree of life and the life giver. <laughs> yes. He's put that life in us and so that's the second element of the resurrection. So we, we live a life, to, we're coming to a faith based on ritual and these kind of things and observance to a faith now based on the promises and the next element is a faith based on his presence. A life built out of his presence. We're living out from his presence. We say Lord stay with us 24-7 Keep those engines running 24-7. Don't turn them off, otherwise i have a big crash. So I need you with me, Lord, 24-7. I can't take off, I can't fly, I can't do anything without you. I don't want to. So, Lord, stay with me 24-7, so that your wisdom, your righteousness, your sanctification, your your, uh, uh, redemption is flowing through me, manifesting through me. We are the riverbanks. He is the river. Don't get hung up if there's a little bit of moss on the riverbank. That's not the issue. The issue is it's the river flowing through you. The river of his life and love and joy and presence and vitality flowing through you. Bring it on. That's the gift of Jesus. That's what he said to receive. And so in our evangelical Christianity, he didn't call it that, we don't just stop at the promises. We also draw from the presence, the life of the Spirit. And then if you go to Romans 12, there's a third element that I believe it, that's, that's very, very important. Rom- Romans 12 verse 1, again familiar scripture. Therefore I urge you, brothers, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies now as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service. Or reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's saying, look, in light of this amazing grace, this amazing adoption, this amazing justification, this amazing new position, and this amazing life that's in you, that even gives life to your mortal bodies, I, there's one more thing that I'm pleading you to do. That you present your bodies, for your few decades that you live on the earth, to be available to Him so that He can use these bodies for His glory. That he can mouth, you can, you can be His mouth, you can be His eyes, His hands, His feet. No, nothing happens till someone says something, goes somewhere or does something. Oh God send revival, well He'll send it but He'll send it only when someone goes somewhere, says something and does something. So we say, not just send revival Lord, but send the laborers out into the harvest field. For the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And the laborers are ordinary people who look like the people that they labor with. Who can speak in their idiom, know their accents, know their jokes, and stand among them and say, isn't it wonderful to know Jesus for yourself? May I, I, I didn't know much about the promises when I was growing up, now I do. It's absolutely fabulous. Um, can I share it with you? Whatever. May the Lord send the laborers out into the harvest field. Now, and don't be conformed to this world. Ireland has become a very worldly country as you're aware of that. And it's the world of fashion, the world of entertainment, the world of politics, the world of sport all of these things and we want to make it in all these worlds and the things of earth go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace and we say Lord my body though I have to live in the world I have to have a job and have to do and you do your job do it well but Lord I'm living for the advance of your kingdom we've only a few years on the earth none of us knows how long let's see Lord, a few decades we have on the earth. Here I am. Could you use me in some way? And so we have people who are not just enjoying the promises, the inheritance, the sonship, the life, but they're saying, Lord, here I am, available to you. I'm not living for the agendas of the world, the agenda of the fashion pages of the Sunday Times, the agenda of the sports pages, the agenda of the politics pages, so God may entry into those areas. I'm living for your agenda, Lord. You've captivated my heart. I'm married to another. I'm going with him. I'm going with your agenda. To me to live as Christ, I present my body now as a living sacrifice. Um, We had a friend years ago, he was a tough guy, and um, he was a wheeler-dealer. He was kind of a bit of a thug of a guy, really, but he came to the Lord. And he was. Se- he was <laughs> People th- all thought he was the mafia. And he let them think he was the mafia. <laughs> so they all paid their bills, you know. <laughs> and so he got hepatitis. And um, he he had very bad hepatitis. He did not long to live. He was in the hospital with one of these awful hospital gowns, you know. So I said, he used to be a used car dealer. So I said to Sid, I said, Sid, You know, you're finished with your body, but give the Lord a loan of it. Tell him he can have a loaner of your body. If he can make any use of it, make a deal with him. Say, Lord, I'm finished with my body, I can't keep it alive. But if you want to use the body, it's available to you. So we prayed like that, we made the deal, closed the deal. Fifteen minutes. He pulls out his wires, walks out the front of the hospital, through, through the hallway with the gown. The nurse is running after him. The wife pulls the car up at the porch and he drives away. He lived another 25 years. <laughs> now, he didn't change his personality. <laughs> but he really lived for the Lord. And so God want to, He wants your personality too. So here we are, that's the way we are going to serve. Ireland needs a lot of people to share. There's still so many places where nobody knows a thing. Housing estates, nobody knows anything. <clears throat> uh, colleges where there's no Christian group. You know, there's so much. May the Lord, not for me to put any kind of legalistic way. Just ask the Lord some, somehow, some way, that He will use you. And the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. So those three things, things—the um, a switch from living just from ritual to living on the promises. So we have a faith based on promises, faith based on the presence, and faith lived for his purposes. If these things are yours, you will be fruitful, and you will be successful. And you will see; we will see a great awakening to the goodness of the Lord, and a discovery of His power and presence in this land. Nuala. <laughs> 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 the Lord you know, We ask the Lord
1: about teaching us this and then there's one uh, word in this 2nd uh, uh, Peter that the Lord quickened to me and I think it's an obstacle sometimes to us truly believing. You know he says to him grace, grace and peace multiplied in verse 3 as his divine power has given to us by which we have been given and I realize that there's something in us Irish people and as, as it means that it's hard to receive something that's totally given we want to earn it and part of that is pride it's a, 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 a tremendous pride and in, we're all so familiar with Ephesians 2 verse 8 where it says by grace through faith not of works you know it's, it's a gift now it's a gift that he gives us and so the lord has been challenging me lord help me receive everything that has been given to us and you know the word of god the word of god is a present word god said i am he's an i am god and this word of god it says here is written, written by the second epistle of Peter, it's written many 2,000 years ago and when Peter says to us, he's talking about me <laughs> and he's talking about you and so don't read anything in God's word like a history book like something in the past or something in the future. It's a now word, it's a living word. So he has given stuff, wonderful stuff, and has more to give us. But sometimes we have to receive by grace through faith. And actually, even the faith, it's the faith of God. It gives us even faith. You know, he increases our faith. But so have you received from God every gift? and every promise that's past tense, have you taken it? You see, somebody can want to give you something but you can refuse to take it either through your pride or our religious battling in this land made us think we have to earn it or deserve it and if you think you have to earn or deserve anything by grace through faith you disqualify yourself so we don't—we're not disqualified. We are fully qualified in the beloved. It tells us that in Galatians. Qualified and qualified to receive everything from God. Now I had an example of this a few years ago. Actually, these friends of ours who come to Israel with us often—they've been on tours and taken a tour to Israel to work. So they decided they were going to take us to Israel and spoil us. Very nice, actually. You know, except it was very difficult to receive, and we were in this. Five-star hotel they took us to. They paid everything, and so she decided she was going to give me all these beauty treatments. For like Esther, you know. <laughs> well, she's going to give me manicures, and pe- I'd never had a pedicure in my life. <laughs> and these feet had walked miles to the Lord. But anyway, I said, "Oh, her name was Candy," and I learned something from Candy that I'll never forget, and it's about receiving she said you know I, I signed up for this and I, I said Candy I don't want that and I knew what it cost I said I don't want that you don't want money, money and I went on and on about it and she said Nuala stop it stand and look at me and say after me <laughs> Candy thank you Candy that would be very nice <laughs> now the Lord actually it woke me up to what I was doing, you know, understand? The Lord is limitless and we don't deserve anything so, find out in your Bible, in your living word, he's talking to me and he's talking to you what he has given that you haven't yet received by grace, Amen. not of works. <laughs> and then it says, we are created, it says, goes on in Ephesians 8, for his works. But when they're his works, it's not something we do for him. He's doing it in us, through us, and with us. Totally different. Totally different. So, Receive. Let's receive from God. And I just, there's one other scripture. And I know you know it. I'm just going to end with this scripture. In 1 Corinthians, I love this scripture. And it's to do with receiving. And read it and think. 1 Corinthians. Ch- chapter 2 and it begins here in verse 9. see I used to read the word and had full stops everywhere where there was no full stops because I was going to get it all when I died and went to heaven and I'm actually I wasn't sometimes I thought I wasn't good enough to get to heaven. none of us are. <laughs> okay, I has not seen ear has not heard. Now we're talking about what God wants to give us I'll show you this is not past by future nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him and you love him you're here today no full stop but God has revealed them to us who's the us (laughs) through his British for the spirit searches all things the deep things of God what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God in us in you now this is what this is all about receiving we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, isn't that amazing? Oh Lord we disqualify ourselves forgive us for disqualifying ourselves because we weren't perfect or because of A, B, C, D or whatever it was in our past it's all over you're fully qualified in the beloved to receive everything Lord I'm talking to myself as well as everybody beseeching the people of Ireland that they will receive freely all that you have won for them all that you have in your heart the things that the eye hasn't seen, that the mind of man can conceive Lord just do mighty miracles and that we know it's nothing to do with us it's, it's your workmanship and your work in us and through us as Lord we're free, we're free, uh, available to freely receive everything your great promises Lord to know your promises, to believe in your promises to to let the presence the presence of the lord in his promises come out of us and then to present our bodies and lord that we'll receive from you everything we need to let the jesus be seen in this land as never before Amen. as never before Amen. miracles yes. through us <laughs> through us <laughs>
0: so stand up Hand up those who for making sins deal with the Lord. Here, Lord, here are our bodies. We thank you, Lord, that we've made us totally, fully accepted through Jesus. It's amazing, Lord, and that your life is with us 24-7. We want to lean on our life, on your life, Lord. No longer leaning in our own bankrupt Adam life, but leaning on your life for spirit, for mind, for a body, for our bodies, for every word, every action, and every reaction. Stay with us, Lord, that we may live not just free from sin. A penalty, but it's free from sin's power by drawing on the greater resurrection life of Jesus. Now Lord, all of us are presenting ourselves, we've probably done it before but we're presenting ourselves more clearly to to live for your agenda for our lives and not for the world's agenda for our lives, not for a, a, a political agenda, a materialistic agenda, but for the beautiful agenda of the kingdom of God and that you would use every one of us as your fully anointed, fully clothed and fully equipped disciples and open amazing doors of opportunity for every single one here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.